0: Hey, 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 good morning. It's Paige Browning. It's Friday. This is Seattle Now. This week, Mayor Bruce Harrell gave his State of the City address and re-upped his love for downtown. A proposed bill would limit the reasons for traffic stops. And despite the chill in the air, the Mariners are kicking off spring training. Andrew Walsh, co-host of the Too Beautiful to Live podcast and Seattle Times food and drink writer Ton Vin are here to break down the week with us. But first, let's get you caught up. Get ready for more chilly weather. With the temperature low, the stage is set for some snow this weekend. Residents in the Seattle and Everett area can expect a rain and snow mixture as soon as Saturday evening. No word yet from the National Weather Service about how much snow might accumulate, but there is a high chance that ski slopes will get a fair share. Washington's salmon population could use some help. A new report from Governor Inslee's Salmon Recovery Office says 10 species that are already in peril are not meeting recovery goals. There's been progress, though. Salmon and steelhead have 4,700 more miles of habitat now than they did in 2005, since the state worked on removing barriers for them. Governor Inslee responded to the report to say salmon are essential to the state's ecosystem, identity and economy, and that immediate action to ensure their survival is necessary. And the third annual Northwest Black Restaurant Week starts today. It's a week to celebrate the flavors of Black American, African and Caribbean food cultures. Local spots like Catfish Corner, Pam's Kitchen, Boon Boona Coffee and Umami Kushy are all joining the festivities. The participating Black-owned restaurants in the region invite people to come taste and try some special pre-fee menus, food cart treats, sweets and more. It's Friday once again. You made it through a work week and a winter blast all in four days for those of you who had Monday off. Nice work. This week, Seattle became the first U.S. city to ban caste discrimination. The city renamed a block after Devon Pickett Jr. And yes, we got to see some snowflakes again. Andrew Walsh is here. He's the host of the Too Beautiful to Live podcast. How's it going, Andrew?
1: Good. Thanks for having me.
0: Glad you're here. And Ton Vin is here. He's a food and drink writer for the Seattle Times. Happy to have you back, Ton. Thanks for having me, Paige. It was a pleasure. Let's dive in. So Mayor Bruce Harrell gave his State of the City address this week, and he made sure to let everybody know... He's bullish on downtown. He says, I'm bullish on downtown. Let me say it again. I'm bullish on downtown. He called it Seattle's economic engine and said it's a top priority for him to help it rev back up. Ton, are you bullish on
2: downtown? You know, the mayor, the the buzzword there, if there's a controversial word, it's zoning changes. Ah. He mentioned that changing the zoning for more housing and so forth and That's not going to fly. I mean, we can talk about homeless issues and try to expand this and that. But the reality is people don't want their zoning codes to change. Mm. So I'm very skeptical he can pull it off. It sounds great. It was very inspirational. Mm -hmm. But I, I need to see the details.
0: Yeah, a very energized speech with a lot to say about downtown. And as you said, the dirty words of zoning changes andrew let's say you're on mayor harrell's downtown revitalization committee what would be number one on your list what do you want to see down there
1: probably a casino huge (laughs) casino brings in a lot of business no i'm just joking (laughs) you know i i wanted to get a a feel in the room here about what everybody thinks of downtown now i'll i'll admit i'm not in downtown all that often i used to be down there more when i lived on the hill and that was pre-pandemic but on the occasions that I am going to see a movie or something at the AMC down there, it doesn't seem as bad as the pictures that I read about in the newspaper, hmm. and especially that I hear reflected back to me from people who live outside of Seattle, and they tell me that Seattle is dying and all these things. And I go downtown to see a movie, and I see, like, young people going to concerts on, on scooters. Now, I and, mm-hmm. like, way more than I used to. Now, that might be my own myopic take on things, and I know that we see some businesses closing and that the there is a huge... Um, Obituary, a a very heartfelt obituary to the Nike store um, recently, and I was like, and you know, you can kind of blame some of the some of the maybe I don't know trends in Seattle on that stuff, but really, I think these are reflections of the world changing. I think that when Bruce Harrell like commends big businesses for forcing workers to come back to work in the downtown core three days a week or something. That's kind of interesting because it sort of seems like you're clinging to an old lifestyle. And I don't think that that is the future. I think if people are used to working from home more, if people are mm-hmm. used to buying their sneakers online more, you're going to see the world change and it's not all about the pandemic and some of it was was started by the pandemic, but this could be a really exciting interesting time. I think the key thing is is to whatever whatever we put down there that kind of generates community that it isn't just for the people making, you know, six figures or whatever, that it's a it's a holistic approach that is for everybody.
2: Yeah. And Andrew, along the line of what you said, quick story, like in 2021, Seattle Art Museum landed Market Seafood Restaurant in Edmonds. It was a big deal. And when they did open, it opened to a ghost town in downtown. Mm. No one went to a point where they didn't even offer happy hour because Mm. there were no office workers. There were no bus riders. They didn't even offer happy hour. And I went there last month and behold, there were people during happy Mm. hour. They offered happy hour. And the owner told me, because we finally have some foot traffic in downtown to justify the staffing. To me, that was the most inspirational story I've seen in downtown, sadly. (laughs) It's a little victories.
0: Uh, Yeah, I I think you, both of you bring up some interesting insight, which is that there is a perception that downtown just can't recover it's not there yet but tourism actually has mostly recovered according to the downtown seattle association as far as foot traffic through downtown but what's not there is office workers and andrew you make a great point why would you go work downtown when you are already settled in you know so many office workers are now settled into a remote location and something harrell also mentioned in his speech that, Ton, you alluded to, is the city might convert some of that empty downtown office space into housing. A lot of empty offices are downtown to choose from. And plus, they're already doing a little bit of this in Tacoma, experimenting with it. Ton, would you live in a converted office in downtown Seattle? It was
2: cheap, yeah. (laughs) But you know, when we say this, convert offices to apartments or what have you, Mm -hmm. it's It sounds great on paper, but it's not really that simple. There's a lot of logistical challenges, Paige. One is like when you're in an office building, windows don't open. Right. Um, These units, they don't have bathrooms and kitchens. So basically you're talking Mm -hmm. about a shared kitchen space, shared bathroom, dormitory-like. So it won't fly. So basically who you're targeting mostly are low-income people, so forth. And that would not fly with the business downtown, that would not fly with all the developers downtown, that won't fly with realtors who have a lot of stake in there for the commercial developments. Mm-hmm. We see this already, Paige. If you think about this, when last year when they were going to try to turn Pacific Place, an empty mall pretty much, into offices and it did yeah. not fly. It did not happen. And that's less controversial than turning office spaces into a- apartments.
0: Andrew, what do you think? I have a
1: question about that. Your comments about how hard it would be to um, convert them, that is for sure. You'd have to have a, a thirst and developers who are willing to invest in Expensive changing. process. Very expensive, absolutely. I also know that these aren't like the big classic buildings that are from like the early 1900s with exposed brick that can then become beautiful lofts, but we have seen that happen in history. I, I The thing that... Strikes me, though, is this idea that businesses don't want working wage uh, residents living in downtown and not and not just like kind of high-end residents, because I thought a huge problem of attracting the people we need to run our restaurants is that these people don't live in Seattle. They can't afford to live in Seattle, and so therefore mm-hmm. we're reducing hours, and these businesses are struggling because they can't mm-hmm. stay staffed. Wouldn't it be good if we had a staff that could live in the city they work in and, and be able to live on... A working class wage,
2: Andrew. That would never fly because it makes too much sense. (laughs) It does. It does.
0: We're asking for it all, right? A workable, livable city that's also flashy and attractive to visitors.
2: Yeah. And Paige, along that line, you have like New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago, who are giving people a lot of tax breaks to turn offices into Mm -hmm. apartments. And there's here's that magic word again: changing the zoning code. Mm -hmm. Are you going to be able to change the zoning code in Seattle? I would say no.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, we will be following as the city of Seattle, at least, tries out some downtown housing concepts, maybe tries to change some zoning laws. But for now, let's drive on into our next topic. State lawmakers are considering a bill that would limit the reasons why a police officer can stop a driver. You'd still get stopped if what you were doing presented an immediate danger, like driving without headlights on at night, but an officer would no longer stop you for things like a broken tail light or expired tabs. Supporters say that this could lessen racial disparity in traffic stops and have officers focus on more serious safety issues. Ton, do you think this would
2: help? I will say it's great to have it because of what happened in mm. Memphis. It's symbolically, it affects a lot of Black people who get stopped by at night. But look at the reality of this. In Seattle, we have something called Z-Protocol, and you can look it up. And what it is, is pretty much because of all the cutback in the police department, they take priorities now. If you call 911, you and you're being mugged or whatever, or your life is in danger, yes, the police will be there immediately. If I call and say, hey, I lost my iPhone, I have a tracker here, someone's running with it on the south end, come help me. If they're busy, no. I won't be prioritized. In fact, they may not even answer my call. So, And this is in place already. So I don't think it changes anything. It's already happening. Mm-hmm.
0: Andrew, this comes at an interesting time for our city. Just like Ton's saying, and as we discussed last week on the show, police in some circumstances are not responding to 911 calls. There's not a lot of trust right now about police responses, either in how fast they'll show up or what they'll do when they show up. I'm curious how this would play out limiting when officers can pull people over.
1: I, I'm I'm all for this. And again, it's a state law, so it would affect everybody. It would affect, you know, the, the person who's dr- driving down the highway and their tabs are expired. And now now the next thing you know, they're getting pulled over. But really, they're getting pulled over because the, the, the cops didn't like the look of the car, right? And like, hey, maybe something suspicious could be going on there. Let's pull them over. Oh, look, it's a person of color. How does that end? Often not well. Like, and I'll tell you what, I don't get a lot of tickets in my life, but one of the tickets I did get in my life was for an expired tab. And I was given that ticket when my car was parked. I wasn't even there. I parked downtown. I can't remember if it was here or Los Angeles, but I remember getting a ticket in the mail and being like, oh my gosh, you guys got me. That is a paperwork issue. We don't need people with guns Pulling over motorists for paperwork issues. That's not a safety issue. I mean, listen, we all need to pay our tabs. I'm not saying we just let that go. But, like, this idea of we just have one general police presence that is generally very armed pulling people over for paperwork infractions doesn't make sense to me.
0: Yeah, I I also have to admit here that I've gotten caught a couple of times with expired tabs Mostly because it just falls to the bottom of my to-do list, but once sure. <laughs> was parked sure. outside of KUOW and uh, got the got the tabs ticket. But Paige,
1: I got to be honest with you, I didn't know you were a scofflaw when I agreed to uh, be on the show today. <laughs> um, so I just are you going to show yourself this. out? Yes, yeah. exactly.
0: Well, if you have been stopped like Andrew and I for uh, an expired tab. Or in this case, a traffic or parking ticket between March of 2020 and now, it could be time to pay the piper if they can track you down in Seattle. The Seattle Times says there are almost 350,000 outstanding tickets that the city needs to somehow enforce to collect, and they're having trouble tracking people down. About 15,000 tickets have already been sent back to the Seattle Municipal Court because the person has moved since they broke the rules. So this is when I ask you to be honest again. Do either of you have any outstanding parking tickets? It'll be just between us. (laughs) (laughs) Paige, I don't, but this
2: puzzles me because I have friends who drive like along the coast and you have to pass through automated toll bridges and booths or what have you. I have one friend, she didn't pay her toll. And she got married, changed her last name, got another car with a different license plate, and they still track her down.
0: She did everything she could, and they found her.
2: Exactly. <laughs> did she get married just to avoid this? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. How is that Seattle can't track you down when, like, like an automated toll booth
0: in 15,000 times they couldn't track people down. So they're asking people to go to the Seattle Municipal Court website and see if you have a ticket.
1: Did that make either one of you paranoid? Because I read that and I haven't done it yet, but I'm like, and maybe this is just because I'm a good, good boy, but like, <laughs> I wanted to go online and be like, oh no, do I owe the city or the state money? And I, I'm pretty sure I don't. Part of, them, you know those websites you can go to where you can see if um, any municipality where you used to live owes you money? Yes. This is kind of the opposite of that. I was like, oh, maybe I should go and see if I owe uh-huh. any money, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I did go. Um, <laughs> and I, I don't have any outstanding. But you can also see all your past tickets. And I looked at my partner partner's vehicle and saw just like a. I shouldn't be saying this on the, on the <laughs> podcast, but just like a register of paid. Tickets.
1: Paige, you got too much free time on your hands. That's what
0: that is. <laughs> I was investigating, Ton.
1: <laughs> How you, did that go down? Did you approach your partner with this information? I know, no,
0: no, they don't know yet. <laughs> no. They're paid off. They're paid off. <laughs> you know, when
2: the untold story of this is like, if you can't pay your parking ticket, you might be able to do community service to pay off the ticket if right. you qualify.
0: Yeah. And the court also extended the deadline for challenging a ticket. So you can challenge it. The court could see a lot of aspiring lawyers in the next few weeks. Have either of you ever challenged a ticket?
2: I have. And I won. Uh, It was legit. It was totally legit. Um, I just parked my car and then they gave me a ticket 15 minutes later because they thought I parked there within over two hours. This was a while ago. And I went downtown, fought City Hall and won.
1: I had a moving violation once and this was like... (laughs) I mean, New Year's Day like 15 years ago or something, but I was pulled over by the Washington State Patrol because I was driving back from a wedding in Canada and I was briefly on my cell phone i hate to admit that because that is really not my kind of behavior but i was briefly on my cell phone and of course i saw the lights go
0: and Mm -hmm. i was like oh
1: dang i remember dropping my phone mid phone call i have no idea what the person (laughs) on the other end of that line heard (laughs) Um, but they got me and i just remember having this theory that like if i at least make an effort to defend myself they'll probably take some money off of the ticket and i think that's what happened i think i wrote some sad sack story it wasn't a complete lie. And I think they knocked some some uh, cash off of my fine. So there's some advice for you. Just like take yeah. 10 minutes to write a nice letter and maybe they'll help you out a little bit.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. If, you, if you're one of these people that need to pay a ticket, you can try a reduction hearing to ease that financial burden or do a payment plan. Or like Ton said, you can do community service instead of paying up. All right, it might be freezing out. We've gotten a little winter blast this week, but is that garlic fries or hot dogs? I smell on the horizon. <laughs> I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but spring training for baseball is here. The Mariners are playing their first game in Peoria, Arizona against the San Diego Padres. Andrew, I know you're a big M's fan. What are you excited about this baseball season? Oh,
1: everything. Everything. <laughs> Just everything. Also, don't forget, the All-Star Game is coming to Seattle this summer as well. Right. Which is absolutely huge. I mean, the only thing that makes me nervous is just everything as well like because I mean we're Mariners fans right like yes. this is supposed to be the year where high we're highs so... low lows exactly and 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 have I, I I both love and hate the fact that this city is truly finally embracing baseball I'm mm-hmm. relatively new to baseball myself having moved here and getting into the Mariners in like 2009 or whatever um and and Whenever I would be at a party and I'd say, hey, can you turn on the baseball game? There'd always be somebody coming in the room being like, what are you doing? They're just going to lose. Like all these just cynics and they would just take all the fun out of it. I'm like, hey, sometimes they got to win, right? Well, now all of those people are wearing Julio jerseys, and they're so mm-hmm. excited, and they're expecting mm-hmm. us to win. And now I'm like, okay, guys, let's just keep it. Let's just keep an even keel here. Let's enjoy this season. I expect, I'm hoping for really big things as well, but uh, let's. I'm trying to keep my expectations in check, too. I'm trying to protect my feelings.
0: Yes. Okay, keep it cool. This is reminding me somehow of when, you know, there's like a, a small band that you like, and all of a sudden they make it big and you feel so protective over them. Yes. Like, th- these fans were not here to begin <laughs> with. Uh, Ton, the Mariners had a big year last year, breaking the playoff drought. Are you gonna be at the ballpark this season? Oh,
2: for sure, for sure. And you know, you talked about last season, um, even if you're not a Mariners fan, you have to love when your home team does well. Because even if yeah. you're not a fan, it just it just pulls people together. There's just so much energy in the city. I mean, I walk around a lot covering the restaurant scene, and there's just more people. Yes. All the bars were full. People wearing jerseys. It just has so much energy. Sports is important. Even if you care nothing about football, whatever, it's important. And it really shows when your team wins because the town rallies around a team.
0: There is something about baseball, that seems to symbolize the start of the spring season. We are in a cold spell right now. Can you even imagine going to a Mariners game next month, you know, sitting outside under the lights? Uh, is this the welcoming of spring, Andrew?
1: I always associate baseball and specifically spring training with the end of winter. I mean, I look forward to it so much. There's so much for me to love about baseball, but the fact that it does symbolize both spring and then summer, and I've described it before, is almost like a metronome to my summertime. Mm. It constantly keeps the beat of my summer. Every night I'm listening to a game. And so this, to me, Like, this is the purest moment. And I love to build projects around spring training. I can tell you which rooms I've painted in my house and when I, like, moved apartments because I was packing up boxes, listening to the first, like, announcers of, like, Rick Riz announcing spring training. I absolutely, I mean, this is is the best time right now. It's all Mm. potential.
0: Hmm, the metronome and you even kick it off with uh that that there's something really poetic there with with using it as the soundtrack to even projects and working your life around it ton
2: you know I hate to be a party pooper but do it. I can't if I can't wear baggy cargo shorts at a ball game then I, I'm not <laughs> going I dress like turtle from entourage. <laughs> as, as <laughs> what I'm <laughs> I, I, I don't do coats at baseball. You
0: want summer ball.
2: Yes, please. Okay.
0: Fair enough. We'll see you uh, at the July games then. Yes. And that is all we've got time for. Andrew and Ton, thank you so much for joining us. Andrew Walsh is the co-host of the Too Beautiful to Live podcast. And Ton Vin is the Seattle Times food writer. Thanks again, you two.
2: Thank you, Paige. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Yeah, thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to Seattle Now. Today's show was produced by Vaughn Jones and Caroline Chamberlain-Gomez. The show's also produced by Claire McGrain, Jenny Cecil Moore, Brandy Fullwood, and Brooklyn Jamerson Flowers. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Paige Browning. See you Monday.